Hey guys, this is Bill. This is Phineas. And together, we're the Tattooed Bananas. We do a comedy podcast, and on our comedy podcast, we talk about all kinds of wacky crap, like... Nutscaping. I'll tuck you in tonight. Turning your funeral into a funeral. Can I have an ice pop? Can I have a candy? Dick fishing, furniture banging, and so much more. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and connect with us with the Potter and Family hashtag on Twitter. Yeah, don't forget to check out the Instagram. Throw a bag of bagels at someone's head. Hey everybody, this is Random Chatterings episode 28. I'm Arlo Rodriguez and... My special guest today is Josh O. <laughs> Josh O from the Josh O podcast. How you doing, sir? I'm really good. I'm feeling great. Life is just oh, life is great. How about you? I'm doing all right, actually. I um, I've been a little bit busier than usual. Like I've had some have an episode come. Uh, I'm posting like later tonight, and I'm recording another uh, another podcast with uh, actually from Sean from Horribly Awkward. Oh, uh, nice, like, nice. Uh, tonight, and uh, wow. <laughs> I've, I've never been so busy, so. But, um, yeah, tell, tell everybody tell everybody about yourself. Well, my name is Josh O. From Seattle, Washington. Came to Illinois, went to school, and played soccer. Played soccer for a while, since I was, like, nine years old. And then, after I graduated college, and found my way to downtown Chicago, started, you know, Doing some comedy, some stand-up comedy and stuff. And literally, like, from that point forward, it's just been, like, man, just everything's just been going, like, full speed. Now I'm doing, like, podcasts. Now meeting all you guys is really awesome. <laughs> uh, have you, I don't know if you heard, have you heard of, like, Second City, Chicago? I don't know if you've heard of them. I've absolutely heard of them. Oh, you have? Awesome. Yeah. yeah so I'm taking classes there now. I just did finish their improv program, and I, I'm starting to take an acting class now, which is really cool. At, at Second City? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, just so basically, like, just doing all kinds of stuff and just having fun with it, you know? So basically, that's that's kind of it. That's really awesome. Um, how long have you been doing uh, stand-up comedy? It has been about 11 months. So at the end of July, yeah, that'll be, like, a year <laughs> in. So, and it feels like it's been so long because, like, when you if you're trying to go to, to perform, like, every night, like... I mean, people are really competitive out in Chicago. So, I mean, people are going and performing like three times a night, three, four times a night. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, so it's like, well, I got to, you know, I got to keep up. But so when you, <laughs> 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 Right. <laughs> so I go out and performing that much, it just feels like it's been so long, but it hasn't even been a year yet, which is crazy. So, I mean, do you perform like every weekday or like is it like one night, take a break, one night, take a break like that? It's like every single night. Holy shit. Yeah, every night I just try to practice and just get better and just get as much practice as possible, basically. How big is the comedy scene in in Chicago? I, I know that there's like a lot of like big time uh, comedians from Chicago, but I'm just wondering mm -hmm. in general, like for somebody who's just starting out, who just started out very recently. Yeah, you know, Chicago is huge. And it's the, in my opinion, it's the best place for anybody to start comedy because it's the third biggest city in the country, but it has, it, it's just the perfect place to start out because it doesn't have the industry that like New York or LA has. So when you're learning and you're trying to figure stuff out, you could go on stage and look like a complete idiot and you don't have to worry about <laughs> who could be, you don't got to worry about someone from SNL looking for something. Like you don't got to worry about that stuff. You could right. just experiment, try and fail. You got Second City here. You could make such great use of that. Take a ton of classes and network. It's a perfect place to start out and get your feet wet and figure out what you try to do in all things comedy or whatever. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you, you're, you're originally from Seattle, Washington. Uh, were you um, – did you go to school there or were you just living there for like most of your life until before you decided to go to Chicago? Yeah, I was living there for like most of my – all the way through high school and everything. And I was playing soccer and stuff. So, And I was kind of looking for something new. Uh, I wanted to – I kind of want to travel and everything. I wanted to be in a different environment. I could have went to any school 
in the Seattle or, or state of Washington area, but I just wanted to try something new and just go somewhere, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I, uh, I was playing soccer and soccer was kind of what brought me to Illinois. So then I, yeah, I went all the way across the country. I was like, man, this is far. I remember being so homesick, <laughs> super homesick. <laughs> but, but then once that got over and now like I'm in Chicago right now, it's like, oh man, like I'm kind of over that. I could literally go anywhere. I could go to England right now. I could go to, <laughs> you know, I could. Well, maybe not know. England, maybe not right now. Yeah, maybe not right now. <laughs> A little expensive, but you know. <laughs> um, what? Uh, how long have you uh, had you been playing soccer before you decided to go into comedy? Since I was like nine years old. So since I was like nine, just played every single, basically year round, until like, uh, until I was like twenty one. I just turned 23, so it, like I stopped soccer pretty. Wait, recent. you just turned 23? Yeah. I'm, dude. I'm 23. Oh snap! <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. That is awesome. Holy when'd shit! When did you turn 23? I turned 23 on January 24. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yes, I turned 23 on June 22nd. Oh shit! Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Snap! <laughs> High five. That's yeah <laughs> virtual <laughs> high five i feel the vibes coming through <laughs> i'm sorry i interrupted your story oh no no you're fine that's that basically it. like i played soccer since i was like nine all the way up until like 20 basically once i graduated college and then literally right after college i was like all right what's next let's try let's say comedy let's do it you know because this thing about me is uh I mean, you hear a lot of these stories, no matter what art form you're in, like let's say some musician, you, you hear the biography like, well, I've always been a fan of music. Yeah, so for me, it was like, I've always been a fan of comedy and everything. It's just that soccer consumed so much of my life. I never yeah. really explored that. So then once that was actually taken from me <laughs> and I never went pro, <laughs> once I was taken from me, I was like, all right, well, Let's go explore this. And honestly, this is making me like, this is awesome. It's just a lot of fun to do. Have, like another thing that's just bringing me a lot of joy in life and everything. That's really great to hear. Yeah. So how did you get introduced to soccer in the first place? Because I know, I mean, being in the U.S., like soccer is it's so difficult to convince people to like soccer or like, even like pay attention to soccer. It's like. Yeah, you know, so my I'm Nigerian. So I'm a first generation Nigerian. My parents came straight from Nigeria. And in Africa, or basically everywhere else in the world, soccer is like, it's like the number one sport, you know? It's yeah. crazy how much they love soccer everywhere else. So it's kind of common for a lot of, and not even just Africans, maybe some first gen, like, I don't know. Like, I have some friends back at college who, from all different walks of life, a roommate from Jamaica, had another roommate, first generation Mexican and everything. Mm -hmm. and And depending on your parents, like, to them, when it comes to sports, the first thing that comes to mind is soccer. So for when my parents, that was like the first sport that came to mind. So, you know, in like first, second grade or something like that. When I was young, they had these little brochures at school. They're like, all right, register your kid for any sport. They're like, all right, we're doing soccer. We're putting him in. We're putting him in soccer. We'll see how he fares. He's too skinny. Because that's another thing. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a skinny guy. Like, I'm a weed. I'm a freaking... I'm a twig, so it's like my parents are like, well, uh, you'll never f fulfill his dreams in any other sport. Oh, what about basketball? <laughs> no, I'm not even, I'm like six foot. I mean, six, yeah, six foot is, is short. It seems like, for that, like Really? For basketball? I, so, sort of. Kind of. I mean, I, if I was at least six two, six three, and maybe I could try to be a point guard or something. Yeah. No. But uh, <laughs> it's really, that's really, um, so you, when did your parents, like, they, when did they immigrate to the United States? Um, so my dad came, actually, they both came in their early 20s for school. Mm -hmm. It was basically for school purposes. Uh, they wanted to come to the U.S. and get a good education and everything. So that was like the biggest. And they were both on uh, completely opposite sides of the country. My dad was on the East Coast and then my mom on the west coast <clears throat> and it's crazy how connected africans are like like it doesn't matter what state i go to 
But I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go to Montana real quick. He's like, oh, I have a, I have a friend who who lives there. I was like, how do you <laughs> go? All right, Dad, I'm gonna go to, uh, I'm gonna go to Rhode Island just just because it's. Just because. Oh, well, uh, I have a friend that lives in. Okay, Dad. All right. So basically, I'm saying all this to say that he was on Rhode Island, and my mom's just chilling, living her life somewhere else in the United States of America. And my dad's like, man, about that time. Because he's like in his mid-30s. He's like, all right, it's about that time. Wow. I think I need to – I think I need to – I've chilled too much. So I need to find – I need to find somebody to hopefully date and everything. And the family friend was like, oh, well. I know someone in Washington. That'd be great for you. And then he, he they spoke on the phone a bit. He flew out. They met. They dated. And boom! Josh wow. was born. Josh wow. O was born. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful story. It just they just he just flew out and out I came right there on the spot. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful story. Efficient too. Very efficient. <laughs> story isn't well it's a little bit more a little bit dramatic my parents they're both from El Salvador um they came to the United States in 1989 and I think that was at the I don't know if that was the last year or close to the end of the civil war that was going on in El Salvador okay and uh I think they both kind of had to were forced to leave their their home country because because of all the war and the turmoil that was going on there Mm -hmm. and uh i think my mom lost her husband her first husband and her her father in the war oh man um but uh it's the husband i i don't it's it's weird because i've never met him Mm -hmm. because because my mom had um my mom had her first child i think like in the 80s um so i never really got to meet her husband so when I hear about that he died in the war, it's like, well, okay, he died. Uh, should I feel sorry? I never met him. I, I don't right. really have a connection. But I heard her father was an absolute piece of shit, so I have no problem with saying I don't give a fuck about that person. He right, right. stay dead for all <laughs> I care. For all right. I care. That is okay by me. Have you <laughs> met all your grandparents? I met my grandfather. He died. Uh, he was also a piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I did meet him though. Um, I, I didn't know anything about him. I think my mom actually told me through from another relative of ours. They talked about how their father, their grandfather, treated them, and, and it's just eesh, wow. Uh, okay. My two grandmothers, um, well, one passed away in 2011. She was really sweet though, and the other one I'm a bit more, I'm kind of more closer with from my dad's side of the family. They're both. Very, well, they were both, they were, they were both very nice. Uh, Jesus. So I did, I met them both. Um, it's weird though, because you have that cultural, like, difference, like, just, you have, like, a, one background, and then they have a different background, and it's very difficult. Right. And it's also the language barrier, too, that you can't really have a connection, or at least, like, you can't really, yeah, you can't really connect with your relatives, because you're, like, you're, you're just so much different from them, not just like geographically, but also like in terms of like attitude, in terms of just your your demeanor and all that. And and, and I don't know, it made it kind of difficult for me to like really interact with the rest of my family from 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 the country, I should say. Uh, yeah, I feel you, man. That's that's interesting stuff. Like, and, and me, like I'll say this: I haven't, I've met, <clears throat> I've met my grandma on both sides i've met both of them but i've never met any of my grandfathers because just yeah they somehow they kind of passed away kind of earlier like in their 50s so i never got to meet them and i I literally don't even know them as like i don't even know anything about them as people you know so i don't even know if they were nice or mean (laughs) you know i don't know any of that but yeah the the women in my my family just living long it's kind of like that with my family too. Like the women are really, really close with each other. I mean, I think in 
they have like there's like two houses they have it they're in their home country and um like there's like a group of women living in one building and a group of women live in another building it's mm-hmm. very interesting how close they really have been and i can understand why they've gone through uh many many things that are just kind of <laughs> too depressing to mention on a entertaining happy dory podcast like this one <laughs> i feel you man i feel you man <laughs> Feel you. Have I feel you? like there's. Yeah, I feel oh, like sorry. there's. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, no. You go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of stories like that, especially when you have parents that came from another country. You know what I mean? Like some sort of something like that. Like I've heard all kinds of stories from my parents. Just I don't know. Just be just different cultures, different experiences, and then coming into this country, all that transition and all that stuff. Right. I was gonna ask, um, have you actually visited, had a chance to visit Nigeria, or is that something you were thinking about doing in, a, in yo, the future? Yo, that's crazy. So I actually haven't gone, but my family were planning on going this December, like around New Year. Oh Week. shit! So, yeah, we're planning on we're planning on it right now. We're just getting like our passports and stuff all sorted out mm. because it's been long overdue. We've had multiple opportunities. I had a Nigerian passport and everything. It's just that, like, somehow, some way, something just got in the way. But we're mm-hmm. trying to do it. We're, like, finalizing stuff. Like, we're trying to go this December. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be quite the experience. What about you? Have you? Have, what about you? I went, um, I went to El Salvador in 2003 and 2009. In 2003, I was 10 years old. So I barely, the only thing I remember is that they had a Nintendo 64 at, at, my, at my grandmother's house. So I just played like Nintendo 64 like the whole time I was there. Wow, that's awesome though. Nintendo 64 is great. <laughs> oh yeah, they had like they have like Smash Brothers and they had oh uh, and uh, WCW NWO World Tour, and I would play it with my uh, I think my relatives or like my oh Jesus <laughs> I don't remember because it's like you like okay there's a cousins uncles aunts nephews. Mm-hmm. nieces this and this this and this i think it's my cousin who i was playing with he was like the same age as i was like 10 years old or lower okay. maybe five or something i don't remember but we played a lot of those games with 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 him and we watched a lot of like um spanish uh television <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've seen like a few of those like those uh well i don't know if they're comedies or dramas or home video type things but like not uh I think they're actually dramas, like Spanish dramas and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think? What do you think? I, I, what do you think about them? What do you I think, think about they're kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of like those British, those British, I don't, what do they call them? Like British family, British home video, where it's like, I don't know, it's dramatic and people kind of just act to do the most and the funny sound of it like like music to highlight certain key moments and scenes oh is funny it's God. just it's hilarious i know what it's... you're talking about i know i i don't remember what the genre is but i, I oh my god there's as a pet peeve of mine and it's when people use music to punctuate moments like if and, and it's not like not like in like good movies like star wars or like indiana jones where it's like it feels like the score complements everything but it's actually like it's supposed to it's like the whole intention of that it's like when it's incredibly obvious what they're trying to do with the music Mm -hmm. like it's it's like it's like insulting to the audience i cannot stand that i fucking hate that (laughs) no i I feel you that's totally i feel you on that a hundred percent and and they do that a lot in soap operas. I already I, I complained with like Rob from Random Ramblings with Rob about soap operas. So I, don't, I don't think I have to repeat myself. <laughs> oh yeah, Rob, man, Rob's freaking. He's hilarious, man. I he's love funny. That guy. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, every single time he mentions that, like, like that he talked to me, he always mentions the the blue waffle. <laughs> the blue waffle. What's a blue waffle? Oh no. Josh, don't tell me I have to tell you what a blue waffle is. Do I have to Google that? Is this something that no. I should know? <laughs> no, Josh, don't look at it. All right. Oh, wait a minute. It's... I think I have an idea. Tell... Oh, oh, man. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, All man. Right. <laughs> I think I have an idea. Oh, it's, it's, it's like a... Oh, man. It's, it's like a sexually transmitted disease. It's fake, though. I, I think someone said it was fake. But it makes... Oh, like... man. I'm sorry. I just went and Googled it. <laughs> 
Oh man, nasty! I oh, am so sorry, gracious. Josh. I'm so oh, sorry. I shouldn't even. Nasty. Oh. Jeez. <laughs> Thankfully, I ate like an hour and a half. Oh, thank God. Oh, I wouldn't. Well, I mean, it would be interesting because in my production, as I could say, first guest to throw up on the podcast was Josh O. <laughs> 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 oh man, that's yeah, that's some gross stuff. That's definitely. All right, but Josh, what is some good television that you like? Some good television, you know. These days, like in my in my apartment, I don't even have a cable. Like I don't have a, I don't watch cable. Mm -hmm. I basically I take my laptop. And I'll use YouTube or Netflix or like mm -hmm. HBO Go or whatever, and I'll put on whatever. So what I like, <clears throat> if it's Netflix, I like watching a lot of stand-up comedy specials. But aside nice. from that, aside from that, like honestly, like shows like Orange Is the New Black, man, I, like I've heard people talk about it, but that's a pretty addicting show. Like for real, like you could mm -hmm. lose uh, like a significant amount of your life just sitting down <laughs> and watching that show. Um, I've dabbled with House of Cards. Have you heard of House of Cards a little bit? Uh, that's with Kevin Spacey, correct? Yes, Kevin Spacey's mm -hmm. in there. <clears throat> I've uh, I'm like on the first season of that. That was that was okay. Game okay. One that I need to start watching is Game of Thrones. I know you probably heard of Game of uh, Thrones. I've heard of it. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you are. Uh, I have not started watching it yet. I heard that the the the, the last uh, season finale was incredible. Oh, I'm I'm man. waiting until I get back home to California with my best friend from high school because he said we, we were gonna try to binge it together. Well, binge that and like Breaking Bad. Oh man, Breaking Bad is phenomenal. <laughs> it is great. You you will love Breaking Bad. But here's the thing: just before you watch, understand that like the first season and a half ish, it's gonna be a slow build. Like it's gonna feel like wow, this is the most boring. It took me like four <laughs> tries. I couldn't get through that first season and, and a half or so. Right. But when you keep watching it, you realize that it's so necessary because then when things start happening, you realize all that stuff you sat through through the first season and stuff. Now it makes perfect sense. It's clever and it's like it's worth it. It's a very very good show. I can't wait. I I already know how fantastic it is just because of the cinematography and mm -hmm. I'm I'm well. Uh, I, I'm I'm I, I'm minoring in film studies at my school, so I'm someone who pays a lot of attention to that kind of thing. And just uh -huh. like I think someone broke down like the first scene in Breaking Bad, just like the scene by sheet by shot by shot, and it's like it's like the kind of stuff that people don't really think about or consider. But it's like there's like something happening here. There's like there's like a very specific intention going on. It's oh, it's genius. It's absolute genius. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you you'll totally love. That show, that shows. Have you seen a show called Prison Break? I heard about it. Is it good? <laughs> you know, well, I don't want to say too. Like, do you plan on watching? Do you think you'll ever plan on watching it? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert to everyone listening. In, in case you, is it, I mean, this is an old show. I don't know if anyone's really trying to go back and watch it's it. Like from but... 2006, correct? So yeah, so like yeah, at least like 10 ish years ago it was a while ago. uh but i'd say that for me personally i guess i won't give any big spoilers but for i don't me think personally, anybody gives a shit honestly okay it's yeah. prison break <laughs> okay then i'll say this like for me the, the the first two seasons were like great first about two seasons then mm. after that like freaking it's just like or at least no i'll say the first season was just ah oh. But then everything mm -hmm. after that, it started to get rid ridiculous because, you know, prison break. Okay, this guy, uh, his his brother, this guy and his brother, his brother got, like, framed, I guess, or whatever. And he got put into jail. Mm -hmm. And the two brothers are, like, polar opposites. One is, like, really smart, got a br bright future ahead of him. The other one is just kind of like a rebel, gets in trouble. So the one who gets into trouble got framed, put into jail. The brother's like, all right, I'm going to throw away my future to go frame myself to get put into jail to break him out of jail which is crazy mm. and it was like the coolest setup they break out of jail and stuff but then uh -huh. it's like all right you keep following this show through all the way till its final season and you're just yeah. like how many because what happens is they basically break out of like four jails <laughs> like like it, it's like all right it's like it's, <laughs> it's like one jail makes okay sure i could 
I could go to one jail. Right. But it's so <laughs> unrealistic to you break out of a jail, you get locked up again, break out of another jail. Get, it's like, all right, dude, how many jails realistically <laughs> break out of and still live a normal life or whatever? Like, that. that's just not realistic. You know, it's just... Have you heard of the, the drug lord uh, El Chapo? Yeah, that was in uh yeah 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 El Chapo yeah. So I guess, well I guess the prison break is just basically a dramatization of El Chapo. <laughs> oh really? I didn't even know that. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> because of the amount of times he's breaking out of jail. Yeah, seriously, El Chapo is. Yeah, I wonder what he's doing right now. I think he was captured by the U.S. Oh really? I think I don't know if. I think he's in the U.S. jail now. I think they extradited him to the U.S. Okay, good. And I'm sure while they were, they were they were doing that, they kept telling him, "Well, you're not gonna get out of jail this time. You're gonna stay there. You're gonna sit there. You're gonna think about what you did." Man, I wonder. He probably like knew so, like people in the jail that, because that guy's got a lot of influence, like underground and stuff. Oh, definitely. I, I'm, I wouldn't even be surprised. I'm sure of that. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> Just wonder how. Oh man, that's that's a scary life to live. Being it along like anything with like cartel or drugs or gangs or that stuff's scary because it feels like on any given day someone could just pull up to your house or wherever oh, you live God, and just right. kill you, your family. It's like, dude, I don't know how people live like that. I, uh, I don't know, but um, <laughs> we have to take our we have to take our break. Okay. Uh, I guess during our break, we kind of ruminate on how difficult it must be to <laughs> live with the cartels. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's definitely. Well, I mean, I think, long story short, I think it's a lot more fun making podcasts. Am oh, I right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about our favorite stand-up comedians. And Josh will even talk a little bit about how he got into stand-up comedy and what his routines are like and just what his method of comedy is is like. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back, Josh. Um, I I just gotta know because I think uh, I think you're the first stand-up comedian I've I've ever met. Hey, well, it's it's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so I I just I I am a huge fan of uh, stand-up comedy. I think it's like one of the most un it's it's like one of the most um, underrated art forms i don't think people really consider how delicate and just how expert expertly um the 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 art of the stand-up comedian is um so Mm. i'm just wondering i guess so i just um what is your like how how do you prepare yourself when you're when you're about to get up on on stage um, you know, I think early I on, think, uh, I used to get really nervous, like super nervous. I remember like the first time I ever went to an open mic and I was going to go up, like I was, I was visibly shaking and I'd never shaken like that before. But right now I don't really have anything to prepare besides just like looking over my notes. All right, this is kind of what I want to talk about, or this is what I want to work on today. But other than that, it's like, I feel like it's like going to the gym or, or practicing anything. You know, you do it a lot of times, like muscle memory. So it's like, okay, by now I've I've been in front of people before. I'm not nervous mm-hmm. being in front of people, uh, <clears throat> and it's just it's just a ton of fun. I actually went to this. There's this mic, and on my birthday, June 22nd. Oh, Woo! <laughs> yeah, my birthday. There's this uh, place called Jokes and Notes uh, in the Chicago area, and it's a really cool place because. It's man, it's a well-respected place. The owner is very well-respected, and she's—I mean, she's worked with the likes of like Steve Harvey and wow. C- Cedric the Entertainer, Hannibal oh, Burris, wow. like all these. Yeah, they I all love kinda, Hannibal Burris. Yeah, man, and she and she she's seen them all develop and come through and everything. So she has a great eye for talent and everything. And it's also a, a predominantly black room, so I haven't mm-hmm. really done. 
I've only done like a couple all black rooms before. And it's funny because, I mean, it's just two completely different atmospheres. And they say in comedy, you got to be able to perform in different, you know, all different types of environments. And that was yeah. probably the biggest audience that I've had in, I had performed in front of mm -hmm. because it was the last uh, night for the open mic or whatever. So a lot of people showed up for that. A lot wow. of people turned out. And so many people showed up, including comedians who wanted to perform that a lot of people didn't get to perform that night. And I was lucky enough to get to go up on my birthday. Oh, I didn't even shit. tell her. Yeah, I didn't even tell her it was my birthday. But <laughs> I showed up really early and she saw that I was there early. So she put me up. And uh, I know I'm talking a lot about this, this mic, but it's like this room is also notorious for um, <laughs> being like mean to comedians that aren't that good this I, is all, all stuff i've heard yeah, yeah. I've heard all kinds of stories like if you're not very good or something they'll play the music on you until you get off or they'll, oh. heck, they'll heckle oh. you or you know so it's like you gotta you gotta Ooh. be you gotta be decent you gotta have a thick skin so i was just like man i'm just gonna Shit. go up there and have fun and honestly it went great like it was great they loved it and i was like man this is awesome i'm mad that it's the last one but I do know that at least I got some, some, you know, jokes in the bank that will work in this type of environment. So, Awesome. But uh, have you actually ever, I'm sure you have bombed on stage before. Huh? You have bombed on stage before. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's definitely part of the process. Huge part of the process. Like all these comedians, handle burrs. That's part of it. And it's something that you just have to over time you develop a thicker skin with it i remember when i first started it's like because you what happens is you write a bunch of new jokes or ideas mm -hmm. and they don't fully become solid jokes until you take them on stage and see how good they are or see Absolutely. what you can add to it yeah and most of the time like i actually just did this the other night because i'm i'm trying to write a bunch of new stuff like mm -hmm. you'll, you'll take those jokes on stage and you know they're not not all the time will they be good right out the gate you know mm -hmm. so you go out there and then you know you don't really get any laughs and you got to be able to to be confident enough to just deal with silence or just play it off like it's nothing mm -hmm. you know I, I i used to freak if i heard silence i'm like oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> there's supposed to be reaction here why is yeah. there reaction here exactly yeah so yeah bombing i'll say that's yeah. that's definitely common it doesn't go away like it doesn't like as well I mean, I haven't been doing it that long. I do know that more established comedians, from what I've heard in interviews, say that, yeah, you'll bomb on stage, but it's like you you don't bomb like you bomb when you first start. Like, you get good enough to a point where, where you feel you're losing the crowd, you're good enough to kind of bring them on your side, but you'll still know that that joke needs work, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I've actually, uh, I've only done, like, I've only done stand-up three times. The oh, first snap, time. you've done it. That's awesome. <laughs> I, the first time was an absolute disaster uh it, it was um i had a story that i was writing down and i wanted to just perform the story on stage and the way i knew that i had completely lost the crowd is that there's like a joke i had about how i don't know like the frequency of like someone tapping on the table was the same or like they're trying to match the frequency of like their heart bait their heartbeat or something i don't know some weird fucking out there shit like that and i knew that i had lost the crowd because there was silence but there's some people just kind of nervously looking at me and then i there's a chair on the stage and i kicked it down to get a reaction from the crowd <laughs> <laughs> that I, that's the worst thing that's ever um that's the worst I've done. I know, like, if I kept doing it, and I've been, I've been thinking about it, but the only thing is I haven't really had any funny material in a while. I've just had, like, just, uh, life sucks, and it's like, no one needs to hear that stuff. So, yeah. I'll tell you this, though. A lot of the funniest stuff comes from, like, deep or painful life experiences. Yeah, that's definitely true. But I think it's also just a time thing. I also know I'm young and I'm yeah. stupid, so whatever these thoughts i might have like maybe there's some semblance of uh truth to them but it's like you know like the better the the, the more accomplished comedians the ones who are like 45 or the ones who are fathers yeah. like those are the ones who like they're the ones who seem like they really know what they're doing and not that's yeah. not that shouldn't be like a, a set goal like I, i'm just saying that as myself i kind of know what my own limits are right but um i mean i mean have you ever had like 
those kinds of thoughts, like those kinds of moments of self-doubt? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, Definitely, like, especially more early on. Actually, it still happens now. Like, I could have a great week of performing, and it's crazy. Sometimes it's like, okay, I'm going to try out. Oh, not even just trying out a new joke. Sometimes you just have jokes that you know work, mm-hmm. and for some reason, something's off. You know, and it just is silence or it's a horrible bomb or sometimes like sometimes I'll, I would like lose my composure because I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't been doing it for years. I don't have years of experience under my belt. So sometimes mm-hmm. I make mistake, like a lot more mistakes than, you know, maybe someone more seasoned. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if I lose my composure a little bit or whatever, I don't handle a situation as professionally as I should just, you know, just because of general lack of skill and experience. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, I'll leave those situations like, oh, man, I start doubting myself, like, oh, what? Mm-hmm. should I even do this? Like, is that am I even funny? Like, you know, and that used to happen a lot more when I first started. Now it's right. like I, I understand, like, look, you're going to have a, a f- fantastic week or two of just performing. And then you you're going to have a random night or so where nothing like it's just not nothing is connecting properly. And the, mm-hmm. the audience is just not with you. And you just got to. You, you learn early on that I think to be successful and look, I'm just, I haven't even done it specifically for a year yet, but I could say this. I do think that one thing you learn early is that I feel like to be successful, your validation and how funny you are, you, you can't put that responsibility on the audience. Mm-hmm. You have, you have to know that within yourself so that whether you go kill and do have an amazing performance or whether you go bomb and be horrible, always know within yourself that you're a very funny person and you know what you're doing because it's easy to doubt that like if you don't do well it's like oh man i suck like nah you gotta always believe that and that's i guess that's just a life too just always believe in yourself yeah that's the funny thing because what everything you're describing right now is the same thing that my my therapist or my my counselor he tells me about like how to approach life in general because there's always going to be those hard days and it's just not letting those those difficult days like drag you down too much exactly there's a lot of truth to it I think that's kind of why I think people don't respect um, the stand-up comedian as much because they don't, I mean, yes, the whole intent, well, not intent, but I mean the whole purpose of like a comedian saying like something really funny but kind of tragically dark at the same time is that they went through a hardship and now they're laughing about it. But I think most of the time people just kind of think of that hardship as just a hardship or it's like they don't really consider the reality of the hardship and they're just the only thing they're, oh, the only thing I have to do is just sit and laugh and if you're not doing it, then I, I can make fun of you or I can like heckle you on stage or something. It's like they, right. don't, they don't think about the, 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 the emotional, um, actually, I don't know what I'm going with this. Do you, do, Josh, do you, do, you, do, you, do you know what I'm getting at? Do I sound insane to you? No, you're not insane. You are not insane. I'm just here to give you that. Like, I'm going to let you know you're not insane at all. You, you, <laughs> may, you, may, you, you make sense. You, you make sense. Making good points. Okay. Uh, I, I just kind of trailed off there for a second. But just um, any any kind of profession where you have to entertain people, it's the one where you get the least respect, I think. Yeah, you know, it just, and it takes a lot. It really takes a lot. That's one thing I've noticed. Because everything that's going on in my life, and I know you could you could probably – um, relate to this as well because you're doing podcasting and everything too is like that anytime you're trying to create or put something out there it's you fully start to realize the whole concept of putting yourself out there and that it leaves you wide open like subject to criticism like mm-hmm. straight yep. you know and i realized starting this whole podcast i was like man you know what i know for a fact that i am not going to be perfect at this right out the gate yeah you know you, you see some celebrities where any celebrity, like someone who's got tons of money, if they say they want to start something, they got so many resources to oh, make yeah. it perfect. They probably record in the studio. Exactly. To make it they as have a perfect producer. as possible. They, they got like someone to edit audio it perfectly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like perfect. <laughs> they can hook up with a radio person. They got fantastic equipment. Perfect editing. They might even have someone be like, hey, uh, talk like this or be like, like they could they could easily hit someone up and meet up with any big name podcaster and talk versus easily. someone like us it's like okay we're a nobody it might be harder <laughs> for us it might be it might be harder for us to reach out to these people so it was like even yeah creating whether it's stand up like okay i want to give of myself to you guys oh well uh you guys think i suck today so never mind or <laughs> you put out a podcast and the episode may not be that good it's like oh well okay like and you start to understand 
what that's about putting yourself out there with any kind of art form whether you make music or whatever totally. you know it's sub you're subject to criticism but that's also kind of the beauty of it too because i think it, it it adds to us as people and it makes us strong in certain ways that some other people may not be able to grow you know, you, you know what i'm trying to say i absolutely know what you're trying to say there's like a there's like a weird type of hype uh, of a high that i got from doing stand-up comedy those like those three times even the first time when it didn't go well there's just something just very there's like something magical about just standing up um like having holding that microphone like just having a group of people like looking at you and it's like, like so there's like something dangerous and and um like enticing about that feeling and i i do want to try it again at some point i i I don't know. I think I just have to like really dig in deep because there's like a lot of dark shit that I've been thinking about recently. And uh, I, I'm also the, also the what would be worth doing is like you know like making those ideas, those even those like really dark ones, like relatable. Uh, Josh, um, what a kind of uh, comedian are you, if you don't mind me asking? I am. I'm realizing that. I'm a pretty animated. I love doing characters, mm. but I'm not like a, a, a comedian that will just do a bunch of impressions for a whole, like, that's not my, but I like to do characters. So it's like, if I'm telling a story, I like, that's another thing. I like to tell stories as opposed to just a bunch of like one liners, like mm. set up. A bunch of, I like to tell stories. Like I like to tell a story about you know it could be anything like i have i have this whole joke on like peanut butter <laughs> <laughs> and is because i'm allergic to peanut butter and it's just talk about this whole story about <clears throat> from like the time i first had peanut butter and then how like you know i thought peanut butter is like a like a weapon like it's because uh, i when i first had it, it was, i had a horrible allergic reaction i was probably like five or something oh my gosh yeah and my parents didn't know so at that oh, point no. i'm like okay this isn't this can't be food like this isn't oh. something you eat this is like poison this is something you use to kill people with this is, <laughs> this is serious so then like i take this knowledge with me to like middle school and it's kind of like the adventures that like my teachers teach us about gun violence but i'm like nah man like have you heard of jiff like this is not a game like you know like just basically telling stories and talk about how like another part of that story too is like in that same class i had a friend my best friend came in with a box of cookies and he's passing out all these cookies and stuff. And he gives me a cookie and I was like, thanks, man. And I was like, wait a minute, dude, is there peanut butter in this cookie? And he's like, nah, dude. And I was like, okay, man, I trust you. This is really going fast through the story. But then I eat the cookie and literally die on the spot. Go to the oh, hospital. No. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I like telling stories about myself and about, I just love like storytelling in general i think that's my style and I, i'm also very observational too so i tell a lot of i like to watch people and tell a lot of observational type of jokes yeah who are your um who are your comedy influences um let's see i like hannibal burris he's really funny he's just i don't know if you've heard of him but he's a, he's a funny guy i like uh this guy named brian regan have you heard of him i've heard of him i have heard of him yeah brian regan i think he's funny <laughs> Um, and he's he also it's cool because I don't know if you notice like, if you listen to my podcast and stuff I don't swear yeah <laughs> uh, so I like don't I don't swear stuff so I think it's really cool when comedians can be really funny without like being vulgar at all or not even swearing which I, and, and, right right it's and, definitely more challenging to do that because I think and, Larry David um, talked about this like how I don't know if it was an interview or something but just talk about like fuck like if you just like just including that word like immediately it just gets an immediate response it's already like there's it's a taboo word even though it's commonly used nowadays but the whole point of it is just to connect to, to shock you and like the just the use of the word is enough to get a response so exactly. yeah I, I completely respect comedians who can do that without swearing exactly and like not to get anything confused like like my i love comedy in general and i love like vulgar stuff is hilarious like honestly it's really funny but i do think it's really dope when a comedian can be quote-unquote clean but be mm -hmm. just freaking hilarious yeah. You know? so yeah that, so i like brian regan just because like i per like i don't swear and all that stuff so mm -hmm. it's cool to see somebody even like someone like seinfeld who i don't watch that much mm -hmm. of but i i think it's cool like he talked about like how he was telling this joke and 
one time his joke wasn't getting any laughs so we just like threw a swear word in there when he threw the swear word it made everyone laugh and then he said he he told himself after that all right i'm not telling this joke with the swear word ever again like i want to make i want to make this funny without that crutch or whatever right absolutely you know? and that was his personal thing for me personally look i just want to say like i don't <laughs> i don't i don't care what kind of style of humor if it's funny it's funny but right. i do think yeah i just think it's dope when a comedian can be hilarious in a clean way it's like really hard to do that absolutely so yeah. i guess why what is your i guess what's your reason for for not swearing um in your comedy um, you know what? It's weird because it goes with my speech too. Because I don't really swear when I in my speech. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and I don't know how that happened. It just when I was young, it just never stuck. I don't know. I just <laughs> and then I got, I got right. It just never. I don't know what happened. Like it just never stuck. I guess my parents never swore that much around mm -hmm. me. So I don't know. Uh, and I get older, and then I get to this age where I'm more like aware of myself, like 15 or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. man, you know what? Like, I don't really swear. I guess I'll just keep it that way. I mean, why not? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like I didn't even really have a real reason. I'm just, ah, I mean, I, I guess I'll keep it. You know, it's not a big deal. And then I like when I talk to people. Some sometimes it's like weird. Like I could I could walk and meet some new people, mm -hmm. and I'll be like, and they'll be like, oh hi, nice to meet you. I'm like, oh hi, I'm Josh. Nice to meet you. They'll be like. You don't swear, do you? I'm like, how do you know that? What? How do you wait a minute. <laughs> wait, how, wait, how, how, how? I have no clue. I don't know. Sometimes I've just had people randomly be like, hey, man, you don't swear, do you? I'm like, uh. <laughs> you know, it's like we just met. Like, do I just speak in a way that weird? I don't, I don't know, man. But yeah. Uh, I guess it's. You just stand a certain way, and it says, oh, that guy doesn't swear. And that guy probably swears. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's definitely something I've also thought about. Like, I I, I kind of also try to make it so I don't need to use a swear, because I... I um, but I do like... I do like swearing. Uh, what, what I kind of noticed it just in terms of like other Hispanic comedians like like Gabriel Iglesias and like yeah. George Lopez um, I do notice how they seem to um, have their background as part of their routine and I do like, kind of like you said you like comedians that swear I like comedians that are that, that talk a lot, a lot about their like their Hispanic background and I like comedians that talk about sex a lot and I like comedians that talk about race a lot I personally would not make jokes about that just because I don't think I'm in a position to talk about those kinds of things. I don't think I, I, I didn't really face, okay, well, okay. Um, institutionally, probably it's, there was probably some racism here and there, like based on my, the neighborhood where I live in and that kind of thing. But like blatant racism, like just someone like saying a bad word um, to me, like at school, that never happened to me. And I, no one really treated me differently for being Hispanic. So I think that's kind of why I don't think I'm in a position to make race jokes about race because I haven't just experienced it. I've read about it and I know it exists. And I, I know about other comedians who do make race jokes that are very funny. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I, my, the jokes I kind of make or try to make are more like, like observational ones, but related to just how weird it is to be alive. That makes sense. Like how, like there's just certain things we do that we just take for granted, but we don't really realize. Why do we do that anyway? That's just a mm -hmm. weird thing. Um, I love that. I love that. I love that so much, man. Like all that what you just said, and also just jokes that just have this overarching idea that hey, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what race you are, any kind of racial or societal tension, men versus women, black versus white people, Hispanics. It doesn't matter. Just this overarching idea that hey. At the end of the day, we're all the same. We're all people, and we can all relate to each other in some way. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like the beauty of, and not even just comedy art. And I feel like art just has its power. It could just draw people together and make us remember that hey, like we're all like kind of brothers and sisters. We all have similarities. We could all relate in some way. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think there's probably a better way to end the show than with that very inspiring message. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, for sure. Not a problem, man. This, this is a lot of fun. It's awesome. I'm, I'm actually going to start doing interviews on my podcast, too. So, hey. Really? Yeah. So, Ooh. hey, man. If if you're interested. Hey. 
<laughs> just tell me when. Just tell me when. Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> a plan. Awesome. As always, you can find our podcast at randomchatterings.weebly.com. You can find us on Twitter at our Twitter handle at ranchatpodcast. You can email us at ranchatpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on iTunes or on Stitcher by searching Random Chatterings, a silly podcast from silly people. And our question of the week is, what is your favorite stand-up comedian? Uh, Josh, where can people find you? You can find me on my website, thisisjosho.com. I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, at thisisjosho. It's the same name for all of those. Also, my podcast, The Josh O Show, is on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, and now Google Play Music. Nice. So you just get any of those apps, search <laughs> The Josh O Show, and it's there. It's there. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm there. And I would love to, I would love to ch- check me out, please. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun, man. It's oh, fun. man. This has been, this has been a blast. All right. Take care, everybody. Peace. Find us on Twitter at our Twitter hand. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Josh, how many? Like when you do this, do you do you write it down? Or how many times does it take for you to do this? Man, sometimes it takes me a, like quite a bit. It's it's funny. Like you can say it perfectly, and you just flub one word or something. It's like, oh man, <laughs> you know. Oh, it, it can take a bit. So I try and write it down. Sometimes if, if, I, if it just goes right, I'm just on a recording rampage. I could do it like in one shot. I'm like, holy crap. I can't believe I just did that. But yeah, I try to, I try to do, I try to write it down or something. Yeah. Okay. Let me try this again. <clears throat>